0: Hi, this is Zach Semke with Passive House Accelerator, and thanks for tuning in to this special bonus episode of the Passive House podcast, recorded at Passive House Network's 2023 conference in Denver, Colorado. And a big thank you to Enersign for the support of the series. The interview you're about to hear was hosted by Carmel Pratt, co-host of the NextGen edition of Passive House Accelerator Live.
1: Carmel, here with
0: Fastpass Accelerator. I'm sitting with Michael Donald from Stephen Winter Associates. Mike, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do as well? Sure. Um, so thanks, Carmel, for uh, having me uh, speak here. Um, I've been with Stephen Winter for 12 years now, and my roles over time <coughs> have evolved, but. Uh, my current role is leading our Passive Pass team on the field side for inspections and testing and the field verification piece. Um, so we make sure the projects get built as designed. That's half the battle is getting it in the design and the second half of the battle is actually getting it built and operated correctly. And yeah, so it's just a quick background on me.
1: Awesome. Um, can you talk about either your most exciting, or most recent, or maybe that's both, project that, that you've uh, verified?
0: Yeah, so we've definitely had our fair share of cool and um, unique projects. Um, the Winthrop Square project just uh, wrapped up in Boston, and that was a pretty unique project in a you know, pilot project, more or less, for um, spec office space. Their approach was pretty unique in um door testing every single floor, uh, as compared to the traditional do you know one test at the end. So it was a lot of trips to Boston and um, you know days of testing. Um, but the idea was that as. As floors were completed and the testing was done that they could be turned over to tenants. So that was the kind of uh, mindset of the developer of why they wanted to go about it that way. Um, Another project which recently got certified, it's been done for a while, it just was stuck in a certification limb uh, was Hotel Marcel project, which was also a, a pretty difficult test to do because uh, after I think the second or third floor, there's just a big chunk of the building that's not there. It's missing, and it's only connected via stairwell towers to above. So, um, yeah, that was an interesting approach of how we had to go about that test. Um,
1: how did you go about that test? Was it a two-part test, or did you somehow? So we connect the zones? we
0: first tried doing it all connected and. I had a feeling it wasn't going to work, but we had to go for it. That all of the vent- ventilation ductwork would be enough to kind of connect and pull down all the floors. Um, but if any dampers are closed or the duct sizing isn't what or- we thought it was going to be, it's just not going to work. And so we had to go for it. But I had like three backup plans and how to you know work around that if um, it didn't work out. And so. What we ended up doing is um, having to include the stair towers and because they were sort of outside of the envelope, but we needed those as conduits to kind of pull the air down. So we ended up doing um, a test of the main building with both the stairwells open so sort of pull everything down and then tested the stairwells separately and just had to add them together. Um, Other alternatives would have been trying to put flow doors on every single balcony, floor, like there's these little carve-out areas that are outside and that just would have been a lot of equipment, a lot of people, a lot of, as you know, wires into a lot of stuff. So um, the number maybe isn't the... Perfect, you know, air tightness number. There's a little bit of like caution factor, I think, because of the, how the stairwell situation was. Um, but that was, I think, one of the more challenging tests to figure out how, because normally, like, oh, we have the stairwells, we open all the doors. If we need the extra airflow, we'll open up the elevator shaft. Um, and, you know, it's, as you know, keeping the fans closely grouped is just easier to manage than having. Remote locations and yeah. people all over. So, um, yeah, that one was definitely I ha- thought like, okay, if this doesn't work, what can we do instead? And just had all these sort of backup contingency plans. Yeah. But, yeah.
1: Besides really complex whole building airtightness <laughs> testing, what do you think are um, the other biggest challenges when it comes to verifying passive house buildings?
0: So that is
1: a ventilation. No, I'm kidding.
0: Yeah, um, that's yeah. It honestly is the ventilation. Um, you know, we throw everything at it in terms of making aerosol a requirement, specifying adjustable car dampers, um and some are some are better adjustable than others. So we we don't like to push products, but in certain cases we do push like certain products that are easier to adjust. Um, are the card ampers accessible? A lot of times they're like, oh, it's in the duct. I'm like, how is anyone ever going to get to that to adjust it, clean it, fix it?
1: Or even see yeah. what it's doing? Right.
0: So it's all of those similar battles you have to fight pretty much all the time to, to have a shot at the system working properly. Um, and then where we've seen some other Complexity and a little bit past what we do. It's more lands on a commissioning team. Is the integration of, say, cooling coil into the ERV, but it's different manufacturers. So, you know, how are their different um, integrations talking to each other or not? So, it's that. That's also been a, a challenge of getting those systems. Commissioned and I mean they're working, but it's not really optimized. So there's definitely still some hurdles uh, on that front. Uh, and I think to kind of go away from the easy answer, of ventilation just um, getting the, the air barrier installed properly. But all, part of that is some on the design side of like. Did we make this building simple or, you know, are we building out of structural steel that has spray fireproofing and all this crazy, you know, corners and adjacent buildings? It's like, well, how do you expect a contractor now to like make an air barrier system work easily with this? With
1: all these different materials yeah. meeting at very complex junctures. Right. Yeah.
0: And, um, so there, there's that aspect and, you know, you can't totally drive or change design. You don't want just like square ethos boxes everywhere right but there is something to think about of um you know keeping things simpler um within reason you know still having architectural elements and working within whatever structural systems you have but um some of these are just like how how is this you know like how are you going to a person can't fit in this space to do this thing, right? Like, So just trying to figure that stuff up front. And then I think really the, you know, it's maybe repeating, but um, the buy-in and the sort of ownership of the applicators, right? Like. Are they just trying to get it done, or are they actually wanting to do a good job and like, sort of taking pride in their work and you know making sure what they're doing is actually going to work at the end of the day when you know we show up with the fans to see what's going on with their envelope? So
1: yeah. beyond the um, the benefit to that end, on like quality assurance of having a third party verifier, would you say that there is an added benefit to having? Like specifically an air barrier um, consultant or you know enclosure consultant that's not not just involved in the design but on on site as a third party, you know doing that kind of yeah. Kind of we, we,
0: if the project can support it, we've definitely had good success where there's also an envelope consultant beyond Stephen Winter. Um, and they're, we're, you know, we're looking at similar things, but sort of from a slightly different lens. You know, their key, really their key is water, but they're also thinking about air as well. And um, I think it's just another layer and level of protection for the building owner. Um, again, not every project can support that, but um, we definitely find it helpful if there's an envelope consultant on board as well. Um, And they're also thinking maybe about other things that we specifically aren't. so there's kind of this good overlap of sort of umbrella uh, policy of looking at the envelope from like all different perspectives, not just like air tightness and, you know, the passive house sort of lens of it, so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And speaking of envelope and knowing that you have ground in existing buildings, at least in in, like the New York city building stock space. Um, is there anything that we can learn, whether it's what to do or what not to do, from like what we're unearthing in our existing building stock that we should be either taking or leaving yeah. <laughs> with us to new construction?
0: Uh, I think it's just so difficult. You know, everyone being included wants to see these retrofits and like actually get them implemented. And to me, it seems like the easiest strategy is that you know the building needs to be the right fit for it. The exterior overcladding strategy. Um, there's just no way you're going to be opening interior walls in occupied apartments. And it's it's just not going to happen. But um, so I think that strategy, which we've seen on you know, various different projects, not even ours, just like out in the industry of, um, you know, these sort of big old, like, monolithic concrete panel or solid concrete, like, walls that are just the perfect surface to do this overcladding with EPIS. Um I think that's a great strategy. It, it doesn't fit every building, obviously. Um, but I think if the opportunity is there, it's definitely a... More digestible approach versus any sort of interior program, and then I think fixing ventilation systems in old buildings—that's an age-old problem—and um, I highly doubt they're going to run new lines for supply sides so that get balanced. You know, that's going to take up flow space and be invasive and all that. But you can at least get your existing systems working. Um, which that's the whole battle that's been ongoing for years I, I think since I even started at Stephen Winter, it was like the same, the same stuff of Aero Seal and card ampers and adjusting fan flow rates and that kind of stuff um, but I think I think some of it too is like people like understanding like hey my my bath band isn't like my bath isn't really pulling any exhaust like But I think people just, it's unfortunate that buildings can be underperforming and people just sort of expect it where it's it's the norm. Whereas I think um, one of the other speakers, I'm not sure who it was, like, you don't buy a car and, like, some of the things don't work and you're just, like, okay with it. Like, your AC doesn't work. You're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know? But, like, buildings... This could not work, or that could not work, it cannot be optimized, I and mean, we're just sort of used to it. So I don't know how to change that, but I think some of that would come from tenants and owners, or you know, people who are in getting the space. Getting
1: educated,
0: yeah. But like, hey, you're supposed to be getting fresh air. Like, if you're not. You should probably tell someone. Right? Maybe he has to go change a belt on a fan
1: at the roof or something. Just the building. so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's interesting because. I, I would love to see a study of um, existing building tenant versus new construction tenants and the amount of complaints it, it almost seems like you know a tenant moving into a new construction building expects more or better right. and so they like they're quicker to, to say something and and or to question something and right. then you know existing older building tenant um, just expects, things to not work, yeah, or, you like, know, it doesn't building, know,
0: whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and, and might not voice it, um, because that's just kind of like, that's you know, the, the, the way that things are, are understood to work right. in, in New York, yeah, yeah,
0: you know, like, just the classic old problems of overheating steam systems, yeah. like, opening your window, and, and it's just crazy that that's still, like thing and a problem but it is and I'm hoping stuff will start to come around with the local laws you know that i going to put stuff in place but um,
1: yeah it's it's, I
0: I mean I lived in an apartment that was too hot like I had my radiator off and and I kind of like it warm and I still had to be that person who opened, opened their window the her, like, this, yeah. and you're like you just feel so terrible about it what, what are you going to do
1: right so. how else do you, you, you don't have another yeah. operational option <laughs> right. at that point yeah, yeah. so so um, my my last question is one that I like to ask anyone I talk to in this space and it's what do you think the future of passive house building is
0: so I think it's my hope is that it just becomes um <laughs> normal and integrated into projects like we're lucky enough that we've had several project teams that have been through it already so when it's time for the next one it's not really reinventing the wheel they sort of know what their system and package is that works there might be some small tweaks and changes and things like that Um, we are but we are still getting new design teams which is great you know it's new people kind of learning and joining the space but you're almost then kind of back to square one right of like now having to train someone new and get them up to speed and um, not that that's bad but it takes time and effort and um, you know the mistakes that others have made like contractor might have made or the uh, uh, architect on whatever aspect it might be they've learned from those and they're implementing those right on on their next projects and not to scare away new teams by any um you know way but it's just hoping that it keeps people coming in there's you know coming conferences getting whatever trainings that they can doing a project that it just becomes like yeah, that's how you build, right? It's not even a like. Oh, it's a new team. We have to train everyone. It's just sort of already baked into the process.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's all the more reason to if you haven't yet do your first right. certification. Get through it. Yeah. Take whatever lessons you can learn from it, um, and then decide. You know, right. don't don't uh, hesitate on the decision now without knowing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for being in conversation with me. I appreciate it. Good
0: talking to you.